The following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it is that time of the week. I know if you've, you've probably been waiting for at least six days now. So here we are on day seven, and it is back, the True Wealth Radio Show. And I will tell you that she will be joining us, but she will be slightly tardy. I had stops to make for the office. <laughs> yeah, see, this, I knew this. Uh, literally, she's hearing me do the intro, rushing in the door. I went running. You, you did it, though, Katie. You you almost made it on time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I'm stuck at the light. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I know. That's the worst feeling, which is also why. Uh, and, and here's the thing. She left before me. I made two How stops. How did you do that? I had to drop off paperwork and do a deposit. So. Uh-huh. Well, you made it here. That's the important thing. And yes. we're delighted to have <laughs> you here on this, the last full trading week of the year. Well, I was gonna say it's our um, it's our last show of the year because I don't. Is it? Well, we talked about. Oh, I may still come in because I am gonna be in town and I don't have any reason not to. So next week, uh, next week, I just kind of was asking Kyle about like whether or not we were gonna still do this because it was Christmas week and New Year's week, and yeah. a lot of times there's kind of special promo shows and yeah, different things. So I, I mean, I'm game if you're game. We're good. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, if it is the last show of the year, it's a surprise to us, too. But <laughs> I'm I'm blown away by... It's not that the year seems like it flew by. That's actually not the way this is. I mean, we got a... It's been a, we had a lot this year. And next year, I'm pretty sure, is going to be bananas. So, it's funny you say that. The one... Yes, next year, right? Like, locomotive, bananas. train, going straight forward um, at 80 miles an hour. The, this year, one thing that was kind of nice, um, you know, we, we joke around about Facebook all the time and Facebook did my, like, this is your year in review. And when you kind of look at those things, you're like, wow, I actually did do a lot. Cause like you sit and you think you're like, oh, I didn't really do that much. No, I did. And it's, you know, it's kind of nice to see those things. Um, you know, all the pictures of all the places you've been and the people you've hung out with and the memories you've created. And I'm like, okay, so I have actually had a really full year not that I ever doubted I did but it's There's just kind of nice to to remember those things like well, oh think about this year we've had at least three major events for the office plus probably four or five minor events I'm talking about like customer experience I'm like, what, events. Can you explain the word events? Like, yeah, no, it makes it sound like a medical that? procedure or something. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking what? about so now this. <laughs> I'm I am not saying this to give anybody else listening out there a complex or whatever, but uh, for our customers, right? Okay. Because look, it's in in a sense this is just a really big paid advertisement. Right? I mean, if we're really honest, because at the beginning of the show, it says, well, oh, their opinions are in this side. Like, yes. So it's, we pay to be here. Right? It's part of the thing. But why? And why are we not pushing more, like, come buy our stuff? Uh, that's not how we operate. No. I know this sounds crazy, but I think the industry will uh, ultimately validate our process here, which is 
what we're doing is trying to provide education. And the reality is that you can get online and you can go to the bookstore and all over the place, and there is tons of information about how to invest and how to plan and how to manage your money and how to budget. I mean, it's you. in fact, there's probably more than you can read in your lifetime. There's that many books out there if you were so inclined. And there's new ones constantly and articles and everything else. I mean, you're just talking about books. I mean, there's constantly articles published daily about the market and about the trends. and It goes to infinity. Right. So that you can get the information, right, if you are willing to put the work in. And so if you're a do-it-yourself person, you can get the information. And some of you out there listening are do-it-yourself people, to which I am going, hey, high five. It's okay that you are not angling toward becoming a client of ours or some other professional, provided you're willing to do the homework and put in the work. Yeah, this isn't like, yeah, and that's something that's really important to say. Like, if you're going to do it on your own, do it well. Well, don't or or don't ignore it. it, Just do it, but don't ignore it. You know, don't pretend like it doesn't exist. Don't just like make sure you kind of check in once in a while and make sure everything's okay because you could be missing out on some opportunities by not paying attention to it. Exactly, and so I'm. I'm. I don't ever try to. I, I like. I don't come on the air here thinking. Let me subtly try to convince everybody. No, I, I will say, <laughs> yeah, Katie's more shameless. I will. I have subtly it's tried true. to say there's a reason that our firm believes in an investment philosophy that is not static. Okay, right. I have come right out and said my belief structure is that there's a reason for doing active investment management. I realize it's not super in vogue these days that the passive strategies are where the money is flowing. And that passive strategies are very cost effective. But we have a different reason for our asset management style at the office. Right. And we're tactical because we are trying to play active defense, not active offense. Right. I mean, I'm offensive enough. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> we need the soundboard. Kyle, where's the soundboard? We need a so, soundboard. So. Anyhow, thinking about what we're doing on this program, and I think where the industry is going to start evolving to, you're going to see a lot more, uh, since you can get so much information, if you're not a do-it-yourself person, and there are lots of reasons why. There are lots, because it may not be your sweet spot, or it may simply be that you don't have the bandwidth, right? You have so many other places. Like everybody I talk to, hey, how are things? Oh, I'm busy. We're all so busy, right? So if you're that busy, we're going to start outsourcing and partnering with other people to help. And it's and understand who you are. If you've already outsourced parts of your life, right? If you have a gardener, if you have a housekeeper, if you don't change your own oil, like you've already started to outsource part of your life. Yeah. So, so you and you may decide that uh, you're going to outsource some things and not other things. Great. Right. In fact, we all do that. We right. all choose. To, we retain certain things and some things you may wish you could outsource, but you're not in a position where you're able to effectively do that. Okay. Right. Uh, but but what I'm, what I'm suggesting is if you won't do the investing or if you are the other thing is it's not just investing. I think that's probably the, the, the missed deal on this one is investing is a part of what we do. It's a part that I am super interested in. So I talk about it a lot. <laughs> but there's all of these other elements of planning and risk management and tax efficiency and estate 
planning and other elements that go into navigating this complex world of taxes and trying to be most efficient with your money. You always heard the story, right? You can work hard for your money. You got to make your money work hard for you. So I, I want to take a step back on that one just for a minute and, and cover a couple things on that. You know, you said, oh, I always talk about investing because that's kind of your sweet spot, right? Like you like the stocks and the investments. Oh, I'm a nerd. I love it. Hence why you're a financial advisor. Now, that's not my job at the firm. My job is the operations to make sure all the stuff is moving behind the scenes. And I will also tell you- Also nerd. Also nerd, but in a different way, right? So it's okay. We flock together. We'll sit at the same lunch table. I'm okay with it. All right. But um, the, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, and I kind of thought about that the very first time you say that. You don't know what you don't know. You know, if, if you're a DIYer, if you're going down that path, do you know what the contribution limits are? Do you know what, like you said, what is more tax efficient for you that year? Do you know the difference between mutual funds, stocks, bonds? Like if you don't know the differences between these things or know these kinds of bits of information, then just be careful because you can not on purpose hurt yourself. Yeah. And here's the other thing. You can do things that will work, but they're not optimized. Right. Right. So they'll work, but they won't be working as well as they could. Right. And that to me is kind of the, the key here is, well, if if I could have, if I could get uh, two vehicles that are identical in every way, except one gets better gas mileage than the other one, I'm going to take the one with the better gas mileage. But that's not how it always works, though. No. But, but now, but if, so right? I'm playing the what if game. Now, I'll raise the what if. What if you could get it with the better gas mileage, but you knew you had to pay a little bit more for it? Would you still do it? Well, yeah, but I would do the cost to benefit analysis. And if it determined that the fuel savings was worth more than it was going to cost me, then I would certainly do it. Right. So that's, but that goes back to the kind of where I was going with it, right? Like people always want to say, oh, if the playing field was equal, well, it's never equal. Like, I have yet to yeah, say... Yeah, it's not really apples to apples. Nothing is ever apples to apples. It's, you know, it's and we're, we're oranges in a sea of apples. <laughs> well, and so there therein was the beginning of this whole diatribe, right? As I started down this path about all the events that we've been doing, one of the things I was going to say, and again, it's not to imply anything to our listeners, but it's because... So we really understand at our firm where our bread gets buttered. <laughs> okay. Yeah, from our clients. <laughs> I, we know that if we if it's not for our clients, we do not exist. So uh, I think that it's a it's a healthy obsessed culture in our firm, but we are pretty obsessed with client service, uh, like and the client experience, and making sure that our clients know that they are valued and that we exist to serve them. Mm-hmm. And so we try to do things that are unique and different than the run of the mill financial experience. I mean, certainly I'm thinking, you know, typical banking environment or something like that. I mean, lots of places have friendly people. Okay. Right. I don't, I don't know that it, it's certainly nice because there are lots of places that don't have friendly people too. Man. But, and you sure know it when you get one. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. You, you do. But um, you're like, this year is just not your year. It's not even the wrong side of the bed. You're like, you've been this hour for a while. <laughs> yeah. You're just, yeah, you know, mean, cranky you're just mean. Sad. But Aww. we're so, you start with that attitude of, you know, really appreciate our customers. And then we try to do things to demonstrate it. So what I'm thinking about is our big annual event, right? Okay. So we've done now, and it may evolve because of other reasons, but because we're running out of space. But <laughs> we have, we do an annual luau for our clients. Right. 
Sometime no. in the summer. And, and and it makes perfect sense why, right? Because we wanted to do some kind of thank you event. Summertime is prime time where we live. We all get, like, we look outside, you know, summertime is prime time. Right. Uh, yeah, right now. <laughs> right Not now, I'm like, so eh. <laughs> I know. I looked at the weather. I was like, man, you know, I've never had a white Christmas in Roseburg. Lived here since 2002. Never had a white Christmas. 2010. No, two. Christmas in 2010 was white, no. wasn't it? Yeah, to my knowledge. I've never, maybe I was out of town, but I don't think I've ever had a white Christmas. Hmm. Okay. I've had white New Year's. Ah. 2010 may have been it. It was white New Year's, but not a white Christmas. I remember there was snow on the ground when I headed south, but I wasn't here for Christmas, so I can't say. Yep. So okay. I digress. All right. Anyways, so events for our clients. Events for clients, and why did we do the luau? You have a whole thing behind the luau, which was, it started off one thing and it ended up a luau, but. No, it was very simple, right? There's, when my, my wife and I get married and there's two different cultures. So I went to school, I grew up in Oregon, but actually went to college in North Carolina. And North Carolina has their own version of barbecue. Here, barbecue is like everybody goes out and we, you cook stuff on the grill. That's like having a barbecue. Okay. Well, oh no, barbecue is its own food group. Barbecue and in the Carolinas <laughs> is a type of food. You it's get barbecue a, at like gas stations. Like yeah, it's, it's a barbecue. It is a it's a pulled pork kind of product. And it's unique. It's a vinegar based sauce. I mean it's just it's its own thing, right? And when they, you do a big family event, they do pig pickets. Yeah. Okay? And so it's like y'all go. It sounds really in, gross, but it's so it's good. not it's it's a well the my wife's amazing. family is from Hawaii. Like her on her mom's side was Hawaii. And like legit great grandma still lives yeah, on the island. Yeah, still lives like, in Kauai. Yeah. Right? So what do they do there? They don't do pig pickings, but they still do the Kalua pork deal and they do a luau. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have the cultural heritage that I adopted in college of the Carolina pig picking versus, and then we had also the Hawaiian influence. And so naturally we compromised at. A luau. Right. Which is no compromise at all. We chose the luau. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's more fun and festive and easier to decorate for, I'll be honest. Well, but what's than interesting a pig is the decorations and the party's more fun to do the luau. Right. The food may actually be more fun to do a pig picking, but who knows? And guess what? We've been doing this now for like six, six or seven years. six years. So in the seventh year of Jubilee, haha, then we may do something different. But right. whatever the case the idea is we needed to do more than just be a transaction. You know, so if you're if you're going to engage, you want to have a great customer service experience and we do something like that. Well, it's you know, I there's moments that we talk to our clients. Um, oh, are we long on our first segment? We're really oh, yeah. long on our first. Yeah. You know, I have a great story for you. I'll tell you when we come back. OK, so we'll do the story. Great. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to now test our engineer, see how long he lets the music play, because I'm going to do this quickly. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN.
This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. And just like that, we're back. I feel like the breaks are shorter. No, we're just more interesting in between segments. Is that what it is? Yep. I've become more interesting? No. Is the next, yes, it's you. Is, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, David's been giving me a hard time all week because Thursday is my birthday. It's and true. I will be the big 4-0. And which, she announces it like, oh, she's stoked for this. Like, I'm we're going to do this. excited. It's, you know. Finally, an excuse to feel creaky. <laughs> I know, right? Now I can say I'm in my 40s. It's okay to feel that way and have acid reflux. No, it's, um, I, you know, in retrospect, as you talk about true wealth is how you trade your time. I feel that my life so far, I have done a very good job at trading my time for memories, right? And I have created a lot of memories in every decade. And I am, I'm really kind of coming into that sweet spot, you know, for me personally, like, you know, my career is doing well. I love working for Little John Financial Services. Um, I'm traveling again, which I really love, right? And it's that's that to me is kind of when I know like I'm doing okay is that I have that little bit of extra money to go visit places and do fun adventures. And and my kids are old enough that they're independent, right? So like now is a fun time to travel with them because I'm not like lugging a car seat and a stroller and you know holding back because I can't go on things because they're too little. Like they're they're tall enough and old enough to do all the stuff and ride all the rides and kind of create those memories. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for like the next decade and. Even for just next year, for 2020, like I feel like there's so many wonderful blessings that are going to happen that year as well and just life-changing moments. So I'm excited. I know I'm not normal. I know most women hate to tell their age, but I feel like for me personally, that perspective is when you're kind of when you feel like the best times are over. And I feel like the best times are still yet to come. So I think that's why I'm excited, right? It's like excited always for the next new thing. Um, but that's my personality. So I was going to tell you, you were, we were talking about customer service, and I was going to tell you a story. You know when you give good customer service, when your client comes in because they have questions that are not related to their account, but they need advice and they need help. And now it still has to do with finance. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, I thought, who could I ask? And your name popped into my mind. And that to me means that we as a team have done a good job servicing that client, right? Like we've explained to them how we can help. We've extended to them. And and again, this wasn't this wasn't a question about her accounts at all. It wasn't a question about her finances. It was actually um, a friend of hers had asked her to be a trustee or like not a trustee, um, executor kind of of her estate, asked if she would help when the friend passed on and Mm -hmm. she had questions about it and she was like I don't know where to turn and thought of us and I was like you know and then what was nice to do is we'd done our wills and trusts workshop in the past I was able to go back and grab that paperwork that we give out at our workshop and say look here's what you need and she went this is amazing Right. Right. So and I and, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times I may not have all the answers, but I'm a great librarian. I thought, man, I just used the library today. Right. Felt like a little Dewey Decimal system right there, just busting it out. But it was nice to be able to produce paperwork that um, and again, it wasn't advice on whether or not to do it. And it wasn't advice at all. It was just like, well, here's your options. And if you're going to go down that path, you may want to talk about these things and kind of figure out what you're getting yourself into a little bit more. And um, and, you know, you have another expression that I really love, too, is it's like, you know, we can we can always help anybody, but not everybody becomes a client, but they need to leave our office better than when they came in. And I felt like our client left way better than when she came in. Yeah. Well, and those are the moments that I'm like, oh, 
I, you know, you win. Those little wins, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I felt it was nice to be able to be helpful. It was nice to be able to produce documentation that I know you've curated, you know, about classes and workshops that we've taught. In fact, I think this person's actually taken our workshop, but it was years ago. Right. You know, and so it was like, oh, look, it's evergreen information, right? It's not bad information. So yeah, that was my little story. Fun story. That was really long. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what a big story is. Oh, at the whole show. <laughs> so, you know, we're getting to the end of the year. Yes. And uh, so I'm just going to switch gears. This is like Go a hard it. shift, right? Do so, it. like, oh, just if you can't find it, grind it. Well, we're going <laughs> to, I, I want to talk a little bit about, since we're nearing the end of the year, measuring. Measuring, okay. Measuring, right? What are we measuring? Well, that's a great question. And that's the question I want to ask everybody else. This is one of the most common things that I think happens when folks are in the financial world and they're trying to figure out what to invest in. Okay. Right? So let me frame the situation. You know, I see folks that have a 401k offered through work and they log into their account. Uh, they see a whole bunch of options of what they could potentially own as an investor and they don't know what any of it means and so they're trying to figure out what to do and what did most of them do they ask their buddy next to them yeah which is not always a qualified financial advisor correct (laughs) let me clarify that one right but yeah they go to the person that they seek advice from right so whatever that person may be the person and there you go well that is a tricky proposition i would say because you're you're right you're not getting any kind of advice but how how would they choose and what i see oftentimes is they just sort of go well here's the it's got this one three and five year performance numbers and so you just pick the one that's made the most money for the last five years <laughs> okay i said well that one's the one that i want to make money so i want to do that or they say oh i'm really conservative so they just pick whatever one says conservative on it Okay. And I see a lot of barbells, meaning one end of the, or the other. Not a lot in the middle when it comes to 401ks and how people Like super conservative invest. or super aggressive, yeah, but not middle. There's been a really great invention in the retirement plan marketplace, or at least in my opinion, a great invention that has sort of manifest in the last decade. Which is? Target date funds. Yes. Can Now, I actually understand what these yeah. are. Well, then, please. I mean, so for our listeners, explain a target date fund. So I am going to be 40 on Thursday. So a target date fund, if my target date of retirement is when I'm 65, then you would pick a date that's 25 years out in the future, right? And then the fund starts off more aggressive and gets more conservative as it hits its target date. Correct. So that's the that's the nutshell of it. Yeah. I mean, the idea is that as we get closer to needing the money, notice I didn't say as you get older. Okay, that's actually not the reason that you adjust your risk tolerance. Right. It is as you get closer to needing the money. Right. Because what that means is if I need the money 10 years from now, I can allow the markets to sort of fluctuate a a great deal because it doesn't bother me. I don't need to to make any withdrawals. Right. But But if if I need a withdrawal next year. Or even, you know, if I need the withdrawal in a couple of months, people sometimes come to me and they say, hey, we're looking at buying a house in the next six months. What is the best thing I can invest in between now and then? And I say, the bank, for the most part. Because 
you can't you don't want to have a loss you don't want to experience a loss when the you know markets are short-term right. volatile right. investing is a long-term game and so if you have a short-term event and you have a loss and it makes it so that you don't have the money to buy the house you want then oh, that, was that a sucks really bad decision right so you know you don't you don't speculate or gamble with that short a time horizon. Hey, David, are there any guarantees? Uh, yes. What's the guarantee? Death and taxes. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Um, it's yeah, there's people expect the markets to go up. Right. And they obviously want to invest and make more money because they want their money to work for them. But like you said, in the short term, like we don't want to rob you of your house mm-hmm. because the market decided to go wonky. Like that's. Yeah. And you know, so I often try to help folks to look at, well, where should you be on this risk spectrum? And the target date fund is uh, uh, something that automatically says, well, in theory, if you're going to retire at this date in the future, we'll start getting more conservative as you get closer to retirement, presumably because you're going to take the money out. Right. Okay. So that's what's happened is there, there are some investment programs that are now automated. And those are great because if you happen to have an investment program, so, and this is one of these, I don't, I guess I don't often do this on the air, but it's the end of the year. And so it's kind of an interesting time for it. It may be appropriate to do a review of your 401k plan. Okay. And so if you don't have a a relationship with a provider or somebody that can do that for you, I would encourage you to contact our office because we can do an investment review. And we can, what we'll, what we'll do is we, we take a look at the whole menu of options right. and make sure that everything is still performing within specs, if you will, or within expectations. And what you, you want to do that on occasion, especially if you are a business owner or somebody that is the plan sponsor, because what a lot of folks don't realize is when a, uh, an investment plan ha- for a, a company, the, the, the company has what's known as a fiduciary obligation, right? They have to do certain things as the plan provider to make sure that there are suitable investment options for the participants. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that the employer is going to be responsible for your dumb decision. If you if you do something <laughs> dumb within the plan, that's on you. But if the employer sets you up so that you can only do something dumb, that's a different issue, right? So you have to make sure the plan offers a, a reasonable selection of fiduciarily compliant investments. And can I, I'm going to add a little side note there too. Please make sure that you're actually invested because some plans have put fail-safes in there where it's like, well, if you don't pick anything, we're going to automatically put you here. Yeah, in the money market earning nothing. But some haven't put anything in place where it's sitting in cash. Like, Which please, is the money market. Which is the money market. But yeah, I'm just saying, so like, Make sure, like, I mean, target date funds are great for that, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. your autopilot's going to be target date, so we're going to put you into a, you know, a boat and let you go downstream. But make sure you're in a boat. I mean, if you're still standing on the dock 20 years later and haven't made anything in that money, I mean, come on. And, so, and you know why we're bringing this up? Because it's happened. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it. We <laughs> saw somebody that said, I had money in there for 13 years and nobody ever told me to go actually put it to work. And it sat in cash. So did it make money? Yeah, it made some interest. Yeah, but, but not much. They but got I mean, it could have like, in the amount of time, because you said what, if, if you're actually investing and kind of doing the right things, it should double every seven years? So, you know, I would say... Every six to 10 years is pretty typical 
So that money could have been double the amount that he had at the end. Should have been at least double. Double to triple by the time we got it. Because it was not only when he worked there, but then, of course, it was like another 10 years later when they notified him that, hey, you have this account. Yeah. So, like, you know, missed opportunities. I know. Make sure you're not missing out on opportunities. So there are kind of two functions to this one, right? Uh, There's the, I have a 401k, right? And so what are you doing as the participant? And then there's, I'm an employer and I sponsor a retirement plan. Notice I didn't just say 401k. You know, I sponsor a retirement plan. Right. Then what does that mean for me? And uh, I, my suspicion is that many that have retirement plans have financial professionals that have aligned with them to help accomplish that, but not all. And it's it's you just want to make sure that you're sort of covering your bases because when you offer a retirement plan, you have a portion of fiduciary obligation right i know it's such a goofy word fiduciary i can't i I have a heart i want to say like fud ruckers oh my gosh fiduciary fiduciary earlier i said fiduciarily and i'm like is that even a word and i just used it so wow where are my grammar teachers at come on grammar teachers colin is fiduciarily fiduciarily are we we making it up now I know. Well, and the other thing I would say, too, is that um, on retirement plans is make sure that you're actually vetting your advisor. Right. I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, I called the guy that decided to stop by my office and called on me first. So it's like, yeah, you're here. We need a plan. OK, let's do it. And may not have done their homework. Like, so this, kinda- this is it's good advice. It always sounds a little self-serving, like you should check everybody out. But that didn't say like, us. you know, but check us out. But reality- I'm just saying, like, don't always just go to the guy that happens to be knocking on your door. Because guess what? If he's going around knocking on doors, he's well, hungry for business. <laughs> well, that and that doesn't mean they're not competent. Either. Right. No, that but, doesn't. But I will say this about the financial industry. Uh, this is uh, this is a really important point. In fact, I love this one. I'm going to cliffhanger it on purpose. It's important enough. We'll take a break. And when we come back, I want to share with you something the industry does a lot that we should all be aware of as consumers of financial products. But we got to take a break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, and we'll be back. There is a really nice pen, writing pen in the studio, and I enjoy writing with it every single time. So I need to. What? I know. Kind of weird. I've become a pen snob. I never thought I was going to be one because I used Bic all through high school, but I am starting to really love gel ink and becoming more of a pen snob. Okay. I know. Side note Katie's a pen snob. That's okay. Yeah. Well, she has a birthday coming up. Except <laughs> I can't actually say to, uh, you know, do something like that because 
We can't accept gifts. It's a conflict of interest. No fun. Aw, boo. I know. I know. At least they can't. They have to be of like trivial value and so forth. So It's a pen. I bet they're like $2. Oh, it depends on the pen, right? Oh, well, I'm not asking. It's a it's a Pentel Energel. <laughs> Liquid ink. Yes. Yeah, so. There you go. All right. So, cliffhanger. We were talking about the industry and like yeah. vetting your person. Yeah, you're talking about financial advisors and this is the thing that and I I'm not going to say financial advisors. I'm going to say this is the the term to watch out for. Okay? Financial consultant. Yeah, that's a new one that I've noticed a lot lately. Okay, but this is not a new term at all. This term has been around for at least 25 years, if not longer. Financial consultant. Financial consultant. The other one is uh, registered representative or investment advisory representative. Now, of the three, one of those has natively more implied safety than the other two. Which one do you think it is? Investment advisor, re- advisory representative. Correct. Okay. IAR. IAR. Because right. they are an advisor with a firm. Well, an investment advisor, okay, sort of by charter or by, by legal contract, is a fiduciary. Okay. Okay. Now, if you have a certified financial planner, right, a CFP, that is a different standard yet. So let's kind of walk through what each of these means a little bit. And then I'll tell you why why I'm bringing this up because of the whole industry. I'm going to make it make sense for you. Okay. Uh, registered representative uh-huh. is traditionally could also be thought of as kind of like a stockbroker. Okay? okay. They are registered to represent. So they're registered securities registered. So they have their licenses to sell either mutual funds or a general securities license or something similar. And they are registered with a broker-dealer firm. Now, a broker-dealer is like it sounds. They are a firm that either brokers investment transactions or they serve as a dealer for they're investment gonna transactions. They're going to sell you. Tra- yeah, they're going to sell well, you there's transactions. two different things, right? A dealer is somebody that has... Think about car dealerships, right. right? A car dealership has a bunch of cars on their lot. And when you go and buy it from them, you work with whomever their sales representative is right and they sell you a car from their inventory right they are dealing from their own inventory right so they bought it for one price they're selling it for a different price okay a broker is using available inventory if they're not using their own you're using somebody else's so they're gonna they're gonna facilitate a transaction between you and another dealer okay so the broker dealer is either trading for their own inventory or somebody else's inventory and they're facilitating the transaction Okay. I know now this that sounds weird. Now, that doesn't sound like an ongoing obligation, though. Well, it's it's not, and, and at least not traditionally. There is some discussion about changing this, but legislatively, it's actually sort of hung up in the lurch right now. And that's kind of where stockbroker came from. Like, you went to a stockbroker to buy a stock. Well, if and you, you had a stock, it, they stock. brokered it to you. Yeah. So, the registered representative has uh, the obligation of suitability for a transaction, meaning it needs to be appropriate for the investor. But suitability is a lower threshold or standard than a fiduciary obligation. So that's represent registered representative. Now, financial consultant, what's that one? That sounds like it should be more important, and I'm kind of worried about the word consultant. Yeah. Or how about financial planner? What's that one? Well, that to me tells me that you're going to give me a financial plan. Yeah. And the reality is that they're nothing. <laughs> 
there's no licensing behind it. It's just well, like, there's not. So a financial consultant can be they can be insurance agents, they can be registered representatives, it can be a financial planner, it can be all of those things. And financial planner, in many respects, can be the same thing. There are uh, I have seen uh, less common these days, but I've seen life insurance salesmen that say they're financial planners. Because, you know, part of your financial plan is to have life insurance in place. So they're a financial planner. They're unregulated terms. So they're amorphous. They don't actually say anything. What they do is, to the person that doesn't know any different, they sound impressive. Right. So well, it's, it's, to a it's person a t- who doesn't know any different, they all sound the same. It's like, yes. oh, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to buy stuff and get a financial plan. Okay. Yes. Right. Please sign me up. Sort of like there's a whole litany of initials that can go after the end of your name. Right. You know, it was a, now I have a CFP. Right. That stands for a certified financial planner. But when you use that, you actually have to use the registered trademark yes, and everything it, it, else. So that shows that it's a registered thing. It's a formalized program it's it's a formalized certificate if you will so you have to go through an education process you have to pass an exam you have to have a certain amount of experience in the industry and then you have an ongoing obligation to follow their code of ethics which outlines what you're going to do and so forth so the standard if you are going to follow the standard you know then that's a, a separate issue is how do they police that standard and make sure that people are honoring their obligation. And right. that's different, right? Because a CFP is not a government sanctioned program. So it's a um, it's an academic program, if you will, more like a uh, sort of like an accreditation. Uh, a so, very difficult, extremely oh, difficult one, it's by tough. the way. Uh, the, the washout rate is probably in the neighborhood of 50%. 50% of people that attempt it don't pass. pass it. So it's a, it's a reasonable barrier to entry. Right. Right. And and that's a pretty legitimate. They're not giving that one it's away. It's sort of like CPA, right? A certified public accountant. It's a pretty good reputation as a, a hurdle that was actually cleared. So that there's a hurdle of competence that it's assumed if you pass that. Right. Uh, there are others, though, and some are worth more than others. You know, Chartered Financial Consultant, CHFC. Okay. Well, that has a different standard. Or then you can get into. Uh, you know, CLU, Chartered Life Underwriter. That's an insurance credential. There's, there's yeah, a bunch of them. Digging down initials I've never even heard of well, before. Well, that's the thing. Is there's alphabet soup. Just because you see initials at the end of somebody's name doesn't necessarily mean that it, they are more qualified. So your original point is it's valid to say vet your person a little bit because here's the dark secret about the industry. A dark secret that I think is improving, by the way. No, oh, what is that? It is that oftentimes the industry trains people to pass a test so that they can be licensed to represent their firm, but then they train them for sales, not for actual financial acumen. Interesting. Okay. okay. And so you have a firm that, that gets a new person, they get them licensed, and they send them out to sell the services of the firm. And if you've ever heard something to the effect of, well, here are all these great resources and all these smart people somewhere else that we can bring in to help with your needs, then what they're selling is 
the resources, not their own competency per se. Right. Now, that doesn't mean there are some people that will do this, and they are still competent. So I don't want to give you the wrong impression. We're not undermining them. It's just that we want to make sure you understand right. what you're what you're getting yourself into. And I can't emphasize this enough. This is in no way, shape, or form intended to look to make it as if there are other financial professionals that are not professionals. I think the majority are very serious about their craft and genuinely want to help their clients, and they are lifelong learners, and they are out there doing what they can to help their clients succeed. And it makes sense because right. you will not stay their client if you are not happy. Right. And so anybody that's got kind of two brain cells to rub together is going to figure out you need to take care of your people or they won't be your people. I'm going to I'm going to say that they really quick on that. And I know we got to take a break soon. But um, by the way, if you have not heard from your financial advisor in like a year, make sure they're still practicing because the hardest part is, you know, there's a lot of laws and regulations and stuff around like what you can tell your clients and what you can, especially if you leave a firm. So just know that that person may not be there anymore. So if you haven't heard from them in a while, reach out, find yeah. out what's going on. Maybe, maybe. But the, I, I just want to make sure that folks are working with somebody that's got their interests at heart and they're trying to do the right thing. And again, I believe the vast majority are. But a lot of folks have to want to engage in that self-study process. But like I said, the good thing about it is the industry, I believe, is getting better about this because there's a real recognition that's starting to materialize that folks are not interested in being sold, right? No. I mean, we get, heaven's sake, your cell phone is blowing up with the, either the IRS is somehow mad at your social security number or <laughs> you, your car needs a warranty or your credit cards are due for a refi at zero, some kind of nonsense you're getting barraged with all the time. We're over sales. Nobody wants to be sold something. Oh, what push notifications. Yeah, we oh. want, folks want value. Right. Okay, so if you're going to work with a professional, you're looking for value. You want an exchange of value. If you're going to give up your hard-earned money, you want to get something for it. Right. That's totally reasonable. Right? That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, SPOTA. SPOTA. SPOTA get so, it. anyhow, that's just my little take on, you know, at the end of the year, because... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna grab our last break. When we come back, I want to talk about this is the last thing I wanted to get to this year, which is how do you gauge whether or not you've had a successful year as an investor? Hmm. Okay, Very interesting so we'll, we'll cover that one when we come back for the home stretch. Stick around. This is David Littlejohn and Katie Shuck. You got True Wealth on News Radio 
This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. And of course, if you're just joining us, podcast, you've missed all the fun, but it's not too late. You can check out the webpage tomorrow at littlejohnfs.com. So go under the Educate tab. Right, And then there's a little thing that's got all the lists and it'll say podcast in there. And you can listen until your little heart is content. You could put it on your iPhone or your i whatever, or, or if you're, if you're, you know, your really, whatever. if you're really way advanced and sophisticated and you're in the Android ecosystem, oh. then you can put it there. There's an Apple Android argument constantly in our office, by the way. There's, there's two separate teams for yeah, sure. So. Yeah. Well, you know, there's the people that want to order by the number on the menu. I'll take number two, please. And then there's the people that want to customize whatever they order. You're the reason that none of us can get our lunches on time. Um, I know what my order is. <laughs> David, every time I've gone out to eat with you, they all know what your order is, but it's always something custom. It's never but on the they menu. know what it is. <laughs> but it's never on the menu. <laughs> I just don't want mushrooms in it. That's not so weird. Yeah. Can I have this chicken? But texture. I want that sauce and these vegetables. <laughs> that hasn't happened for like a year. I know. We haven't and gone that, there in a while. Come on. That's just because I know them so well. You know, it's like my people. Come on. <laughs> Aw. They are your people. All right. So look. So I what wanna, yardstick are we using yeah, to I, measure our investments? Well, we've been talking so much about... First of all, whether or not you should have a financial professional, and then how you should be vetting a financial professional. Now, the final is how should you be measuring performance? Right. And here is the trick. Okay, you should be measuring your performance based on your investment objective. Huh? I know, right? Look, here's the I'm thing. I'm just kidding. It's I know what so that means. But tempting to thought I would right say now. huh for the listener because they're looking had, at you like huh. If you look year to date at the S&P 500, based on the numbers I'm pulling on Yahoo Finance right now, it is up over 27% for the year. That's craziness. Right? Now, the real crazy thing is if you go out just two more weeks so that you're up, you're talking about a one-year return instead of a 50-week return, that drops to 25. Wait, it went down 2%? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the two-year return, so what's the average, what's the, the total return that's happened over the last two years in the S&P 500? Okay. Keeping in mind, this year we're up 27%. So for two years, how much are we up? 15? 19. Okay. Right? Which tells you we lost money last year. Oh, yeah. Right? No. In 2018, oh. the markets were negative. And so now they're really positive in 2019. But if you look over a two-year span, they're still up. But it's not like it's up 20-something percent. It's because we're digging out of the hole. Now, we are at all-time highs, so we dug out of the hole. And we went higher. And we got out of the hole. For the most part, it was about... Mid-year. Well, July we got out, then we kind of went back under, and then we we really started to break out in October, and we moved to all-time highs from there. Santa Claus rally. It's been a great year for investors. But the whole story is not just the S&P or the Dow or the NASDAQ. Because if you look at the Russell index, the Russell 2000, which is the small and mid caps over the same two-year period, S&P up 18.98 for the last two years, Russell 2000 up 6.94 for two years. Ooh. Yeah. 
That's a big difference. And that's really an interesting one. Now, just for the one year or the year to date numbers, Russell's up 20, a little over 21, almost 22%. Still not as much as the S&P, but it's really come on strong recently. It's been a challenging market because of the way risk has been in rotation, right? So where the money has flowed has been interesting. And if you look at Europe and other areas of the economy, they've been negative, right? So yeah. so if you're a global diversified investor, you have not made 26% this year. If no. you are broadly diversified in market cap and globally. And isn't the joke like, oh, buy low, sell high. Yeah, if you got into the market right at the first of the year, which most of you did not, right? Then your returns are going to look much different than if you got into the market before or after that. Like yeah. it's, it's, you know, I don't, I understand why we have to have benchmarks, but I, I, I always struggle oh, no, with no. like, oh, year to date. And I'm like, yeah, but I, that's not like when I started and when I'm finished. Yeah. Calendar year is a really goofy way it's to awful. analyze performance because, and the investment industry knows they actually try to frame it so that the calendar year looks good because they know that's how most people shop their investments. I think rolling returns are a better way to look at things, but that's a topic for another show. Uh, the reality is, though, how should you be measuring your performance? You need to figure out what was the blended benchmark for how you were intending to invest relative to the risk that you wanted to take, and then look at that result. And that's really what you're looking for is, did I get the returns that my plan required? Did I get the returns that I was that were acceptable to me? Did I get reasonable returns for the amount of risk that I was willing to take? Because if you didn't invest like the S&P 500, it's really foolish to think that you should outperform it. Right. Okay. So those are key takeaways. When you are measuring, I say, you do want to try to get to apples to apples. So, you know, use the right yardstick if you're going to measure performance. Right. All right. Well, look, we're out of time for now, and uh, we don't even know whether we'll be on next week or not. Hopefully, but who knows? If not, look, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that happy good New stuff. Happy New Year. And then, uh, and if you need help, they call us at 541-375-0898, littlejohnfs.com. All right. Well, that's it. We're out of time for now. Happy birthday, Kitty. We'll Aww, see you guys you. next week. This has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you've been listening to True Wealth. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.